Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. As a kid, look, I know it's not a baseball. It's a tennis ball. Well, my parents don't let me throw a baseball in the house, but they let me throw a tennis ball in the house. So I had a den in my house that looked a little bit like those stairs, two levels, it came down two stairs in the lower part of my den. And what I would do for hours on end is I'd turn to those stairs and I'd just chuck my baseball. And then I would just pick it up and field it. And then it would bounce up. And I would just do it just one after another. I would just throw the ball into those stairs and, and catch it. And you don't care, do you? Sorry, I... Wrong message, wrong time. So, no, no, seriously, I would do that over and over again. I would take the, the tennis ball and just chuck it in the stairs. And as long as I didn't miss it, there wasn't much to break. There was windows to a, a fireplace, but I never busted those. There's a garage door there. It, it was fine. If it hit that, I missed a few. And, and I, would, I would throw the ball overhand in the stairs. I'd throw the ball side. I'd just, just throw the ball because in the wintertime, you're not playing outside. It's cold. And so this worked well for me. And so I would just over and over again throw a tennis ball into the stairs and catch it. Except one day. One day I threw it into the stairs and it came back on a weird angle. Because when you're throwing it stairs, they can kind of come back funny. And when it came back funny, I missed it. And there was a styrofoam cooler. When that tennis ball made contact with that styrofoam cooler, that cooler just went boom. And I was under 10, I don't know, 8, 9 years old. I don't know what it was. And, and that styrofoam cooler blew up. It's in about four pieces. And I did what anybody would do. i got to hide my mistake. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to get in trouble for this. So, so I, I decided I'm going to glue it back together. You're obviously smarter than me. But I was only eight or nine. I found the only glue I could find. It was model glue. As I put it back together, that glue just ate that styrofoam and the cracks got bigger and bigger. So it, it was no longer good for a styrofoam cooler. And my problem was I thought for sure I was going to get in serious trouble. Like I didn't know the styrofoam cooler cost a buck. I didn't know that. I was eight or nine. I thought, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. And so I just waited for my parents to find it. And I was going to get in trouble. I knew it was coming. Look, I had this ability as a kid. I broke things. That's what I did. Windows in the kitchen. Windows in the garage. See, see, I didn't do it on purpose. See, the problem was, the problem was the kitchen window was right down right field line. And when you hit that ball, it was going right into 
window. Basketball took out the garage door window. I, I, what else is going to happen? you got a basketball court, goes off the rim to the right, and my dad finally started putting plexiglass in. You know, I, I knew for sure when I, when I broke that cooler, I, I was going to get it. When I broke the windows, I thought for sure I was going to get in trouble. You know, the funny thing about it is if I got in any major trouble, like the windows and stuff, I don't ever, I didn't get in major trouble. I got in trouble for a lot of other things. But for some reason, my dad didn't get upset with me breaking those windows. Or, or even the cooler. I didn't realize it was easily replaced. But you know, sometimes we do things wrong and they're not quickly discovered. Sometimes it takes a while for people to figure out we've done something wrong. I mean, maybe you, you did something wrong in the past. Maybe something didn't go quite as you planned. The project at work and the boss isn't happy and trying to figure out who's to blame. Uh, you know it was you. <laughs> and you're hoping the boss never figures it out. But you're afraid at once it's discovered you're in trouble. Maybe you did something wrong in the past and hope no one ever finds out. Perhaps you broke something. Perhaps it was something way worse. What we're looking at today contains all of that and more. We're going to take a look at the end of Joseph's life, essentially. The account of Joseph. But in order to do that, we need to walk through a little bit of Joseph's highlights and his lowlights. You see, we're going to get to Genesis chapter 50 eventually. But the story goes like this. Joseph was one of 12 brothers of Jacob. And he was a favorite child. If there's a favorite child, everyone hates the favorite child. Can, can you imagine living in a family where, where everybody knows who the favorite child is? It's sort of like Alabama football. If you're, if you're not an Alabama fan, if you're not an Alabama fan, you're not rooting for Alabama because they're the favorite. You know, like they're their favorite child. I mean, just, you know, but if you've got a favorite child, right? I mean, there's something wrong. Can you imagine doing Christmas at Joseph's house? You can just see it, right? Under the tree. Brand new Lexus for Joseph. The rest of us, we get matchbox cars. Twelve kids. Joseph gets a Lexus. Everybody else? Yeah, that'll look good on the shelf. That's what it was like to live in Joseph's house. And Jacob showed so much favor and love to Joseph. Well, we know it because it's in, in the Scriptures. Genesis 37 says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because the father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. At some point, the brothers have had enough of Joseph. They're sick of him. In fact, one day when he goes to check on 
on them. His father sends him to check on, on his brothers. And as he's approaching, they see him coming. Favorite child, he hates you. Let's kill him, they decided. But, you know, I mean, even if you're not the favorite child, I mean, I've had some rough things, but, but, but I've never had thought pass through my head, right? I mean, like, so-and-so is a little more favorite. Let's kill him. That's what Joseph's side. If it weren't for Reuben and Judah, Joseph would have met his demise that day. They'd, they'd have killed him off. Instead, they throw him in a pit and sell him into slavery. They make some money off him. They're like, yeah, you get what you deserve now. <laughs> and they imply to their father that He'd been killed by a wild animal because they found his robe dipped in blood. Well, in Genesis 37, says, Then the brothers killed a young goat and dipped Joseph's robe in its blood. They sent the beautiful robe to their father with a message. Look, look at what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You know, I want you to notice something. They don't tell their father. They send a messenger to tell their father. Like, hey, by the way, looks like the favorite child got killed. We'll just send you a letter to let you know. Let's just text it to you. I mean, what kind of mess? They don't tell him themselves. It's a pretty consistent theme in their lives. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, he said, it is my son's robe. A wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. So Jacob lives years believing Joseph is dead. The brothers live for years knowing he's not. And they sold him into slavery and lied to their father. Years go by. Jo Joseph, sold into slavery, serves in, eventually serves in the house of Potiphar and, and is trusted with everything. He gets accused wrongly and thrown into prison. While in prison, he rises to leadership once again. Pharaoh has a couple dreams and, and, and no one could interpret them. And, and finally, the, the, the cupbearer remembers. Oh, yeah. There's a guy in prison two years ago. I told him when I get out, I'll, I'll, because he interpreted my dream, I'll remember. Two years later, he finally is like, oh yeah, Pharaoh. There's this guy I met in prison. He can interpret those dreams. And so he gets out and he gets to Pharaoh and he interprets the dreams and, and he saves the country. And, and for most of us, you know, we've heard the story. We know this. He saves the country of Egypt from from a famine, and, and because of his work, he, he gains favor with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh makes him second in command of all the, the nation of Egypt. Only Pharaoh himself is more powerful. And needless to say, Joseph has gone through all kinds of ups and downs. Through everything he went through, he remained gracious and never complained. He not only saved Egypt, but also ended up saving his family, including his father and his brothers from starvation. They ended up moving to Egypt 
and settle in Goshen about 17 years later after they moved to Goshen. As, as it, you know, and, and we're not going to get into the whole story of how that happens. And Jacob dies. And Jacob has made Joseph swear that he'll take him to, to Canaan to bury him. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 50. Verse 14, it says, After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. You're thinking, oh no, here it comes. We're about to pay. Joseph has made all this time. He's going to get us now that our father's dead. Verse 16 says, so he sent a message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. And his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. When I read that, and, and without the context of understanding all the time that's gone by, it's hard to understand the lessons that we can learn from the life of Joseph from this passage. But the first thing I want you to think about is God is greater than all the evil that's ever been done to you. Joseph was undeterred by the evil things people did to him. He'd been wrongly accused. He was persecuted, sold into slavery, jailed for doing the right thing in a situation and being lied about. One thing we th see throughout his life is that he never takes revenge. Even when he could. Even when he had the power to do so and actually probably would have been justified in doing it. He doesn't seek revenge. He doesn't seek judgment on, our, on his brothers, on Potiphar as his wife. Well, this could go on. Joseph remains kind, full of compassion. It's an incredible picture of the way God is toward us, full of compassion and grace. If it was me and I were Joseph, oh, buddy, they got to sweat a little. I mean... If those brothers came to me, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. You do need to suffer a little. But, but I'm not God. And I, I wasn't Joseph. Now, maybe if I had gone through all the things that Joseph had gone through, maybe if I'd gone through all that, I would have reacted like Joseph. Maybe if I'd gone through the training and the development process that God had put Joseph through, maybe I would have reacted just like Joseph did. 
God has a way of taking the terrible things that we go through and making something great out of them. Look, God is greater than your past experiences. I don't care how good they were. You, you could have some really cool experiences. You could, you could have experienced some really great things. But God's greater than those. Look, even the things that we've accomplished with our life, even the, the things that we, we have done, we, we owe it all to God. Why? He, he's given us breath to breathe. He's given us the, the talent, the skill, the brain, the, the ideas that we employ. He, he's given it all to us. It's, it's all because of him. We owe it to him. We need to praise him for all the good things he's done. He's greater than all of our past experiences. He's greater than all the evil that's ever been done to us. God is greater than all of our sin. In the case of Joseph, it wasn't his sin that we were talking about necessarily. I mean, Joseph had some issues. Okay, jo Joseph had something that God had to work in his life on. I mean, let's be honest. I'm sure he did just rub in just slightly that he was the favorite. I mean, I'm sure he never said anything to his brothers like, yeah, go ahead and hit me. Daddy will get you. Because you know I'm his favorite. I'm sure he never threw that out there. I'm sure he didn't struggle at all with any kind of pride issues. I mean, no, he, he didn't struggle with pride issues as he, as he looked at his brothers telling him, hey, hey guys, check out this dream I had. You know what it means? You're going to bow down to me. That really went over well. And he had some pride issues. So Joseph gets worked on by God. Hey, there's a key here. Joseph gets worked on by God. Look, you might look around. You might look around at people. And you might think, you know, they need to fix some things here. Now, in relationship and in conversation, look, we can help one another. We can help people. Here's one thing I want you to understand. All the help we ever give is only going to be any good if God's in the process working on them as well. Look, if you look at somebody in your life, if you look at somebody you're trying to help, look, I've walked through some things with people. Um, you know that I've, I've done some work with um, some addict friends, um, and that's hard, okay? <laughs> I'll just tell you, look, it's hard to work through that. But, but what I'm saying to you is, unless God is in that equation, it isn't going to do any good. You can do all the things you know to do. God's got to be in the midst of that. And God's going to work. And you've got to pray and just believe that God is going to get a hold of people's lives. Because unless you do that, all that you do will drive you crazy. Because you think you've done all you know to do and you're doing everything you can and they don't listen and they don't follow. Well, God is greater than that. God's greater than their sin, and God can work on them. But when you go back to that, we're not talking about Joseph's sin. We're really talking about the brother's sin. When you think about the brother's sin, what did they do? They feared for their lives when their father died. They thought Joseph was just sitting there waiting, just waiting for the perfect time to deliver the punishment. That's why they sent the message to him. That's why they came begging, all right, all right. Like, I know you're, you're still mad at us, so, so we'll just serve you. We'll be your slaves. Like, just don't kill us. We'll, we'll be slaves. We, we, they knew what they deserved. They knew they deserved judgment. 
And they throw themselves before him again. See, he has already told them this years ago, at least 17 years prior. He's told them, look, I forgive you. God, God took what you meant for evil and he's using it for his good. I forgive you. They have forgotten the message. And 17 years later, they come back to him and say, uh, we're your slaves. Don't kill us. They fully expected him. They punished him. It never came. We're often that way in our lives. We're often the same way. We did something wrong. Sometimes years later we go through something and we're just waiting for the discipline to come. I mean, we, we just don't completely grasp the grace and forgiveness of God. Because we, we've done something. I mean, God is not like this. Like, like, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but, but you know, our, our thinking goes like this. January 1 of 2017, they cut that person off on the way to church. How sinful. I shouldn't have done that. I asked God to forgive me before communion, so I was good with it. But, but, but now in 2020, I know God's going to get me for that back there. See, I, I go through something physical. I go through something, and we, and we look back, and we go, oh, this is when God's finally going to judge me for my... No, that's not God. That, that's not his deal. See, God is giving us an incredible picture of his grace and his forgiveness and his love through the story of Joseph. And, he's, and, and, and Joseph is displaying the God characteristics that, that he wants us to understand. Is that he can forgive. See, God's ability to forgive is better than our ability to, to remember we've been forgiven. See, see we, we think that, that, oh no. See, because we struggle with forgiveness. We struggle to offer forgiveness to people. We struggle to really forgive. And because we've got to come back and maybe forgive over and over again, we think God's the same way. He is not. He forgives and he moves on. As far as the east is from the rest, as so far as he removed our transgressions from us, if, if, we're, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the scriptures teach us. See, we, we've got to remember that God is gracious, that God is kind. His brothers, Joseph's brothers, they didn't think that Joseph was gracious and kind, and they didn't think he'd forgiven. Look, that's something that we give people that they can't get on their own. Think about that for just a moment. When you forgive someone, you've given something they can't get on their own. If they've wronged you and you forgive them, you've given them something that's a gift because they can't purchase that. The same thing is true with God. When, when God forgives us, he's giving us something we can't do on our own. That's why he sent Jesus. But we struggle sometimes to understand that. And Joseph's brothers struggle to think and even comprehend or believe that Joseph would actually forgive them. But he did. So does God. God forgives you and I. How do we know that? Well, I've already given you the idea. Look, look, the only way we're going to understand the character and nature of God is through his word. And when we stop believing God's word, we begin doubting God's love, his grace, and his mercy. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. 
Look, Joseph had this reservoir of character in his life that he drew from throughout his lifetime. In the midst of mistreatment, in the midst of all the pain he went through, somehow Joseph drew off of the character and what he knew of God. Okay, if I went through what Joseph went through, I'm kind of confident I probably wouldn't have come through with the grace that he did. He wasn't bitter. And he forgave. Look, one of the things that we need to be as a goal for all of us is, is each year is to see how we're going to grow in our faith. How are we going to keep growing that reservoir of character and, and understanding who God is so that we will respond rightly to what we experience in that time frame? So that we're ready to, to face the challenges that God allows to come in our direction. Look, this year I'm, I'm, I'm challenging all of us to make reading the Bible a priority. Reading God's Word a priority. I, I, I'm recommending that you choose one of a couple different reading plans. If you have one of your own, just you're, you're good. But I wanted to invite everybody kind of into my world a little bit. I want to try and find a way to connect uh, my devotional times and just things that I'm doing with you and your insights and my insights. And so I'm trying to work on some things. And one of the things I want you to do is sign up with, with you version. Look, I've done some different things. And every year I start with a new idea and how I'm going to do devotion life. This year, um, i Bought myself a Christmas present. Actually, I bought two of them. I bought one for Ansel, one for me, and they're they're different. But I, I bought I bought a Bible for us both. I wrapped them both up, put them under the tree. Um, she opened hers first. I opened mine. I said, "Thanks." That was a really brilliant gift. <laughs> but here's the idea: I bought a specific Bible. For those of you who know, I don't carry a Bible like this very often. Okay, the reason being is because when I carry this. I carry about 13,000 books. This, I carry one. Okay? I carry like 27 versions of the Bible in here and 13,000 books from my Bible library. And this. Okay? This weighs less than this. Okay? A little easier to carry around. Look, if I get stuck in a store or a parking lot waiting for my wife, I've got books. It helps me not to be so frustrated. Because I'm not the greatest at patience. But most of my reading is done on, on my phone, on my iPad, or my computer. This year I decided I bought this specific Bible because I want to read and journal through it as I go. It's a journaling Bible. That's all it is. But it's got lines there for me to journal. Because if you've ever tried to write in a small space that a normal Bible has, it, it doesn't work well. So I've got lines here for me to journal. And I just want to journal. And so I, I want to just do that. And so so I, I've selected a couple Bible reading plans that I'm hoping you'll join me in. And so, and why is that? Because I think we all need to grow. In order to react to life situations like Joseph does, we need to have an understanding of the nature and character of God more than we ever have. And so here, here's, the, here's the plans. Here, here's one of them. The, the first one, it reads through the whole Bible 
Um, which what was first? Was bio? Was okay. That's good. Thank you. Follow me. I don't know what I put up there. Um, so anyway, um, there it is. It's let's, let's read the Bible together, and it's January. So if you go on the to the Bible app, and I, I know it's going to be a little technical, but if you'll go onto your smartphone and you version that whole thing, you can find that plan. Um, by the time service is over, you can just go to our Facebook page, Speak First Assembly. Click on the links. They're, they're going to be linked up. They're going to be already on the Facebook page set up. It'll post at eleven forty-five. So at about uh, 10 minutes or so, they'll post on Facebook and they'll be there ready to go. There'll be links to this Bible plan or there'll be links to a New Testament plan. If you've struggled um, with reading and and um, um, and I think that that's the next one, I think is there. Yeah, there you go. Um, you can just look for those pictures. Just search New Testament. You'll see that picture. You'll see those pictures and then you'll know which plan or you can just go to Facebook and click it. The other thing I want you to do is this. And if you, have your, if you have your smartphone with you, I'm giving you permission to pull it out, um, not to check Facebook. Um, but if you would, just open your version, open your version, and on there, um, if you will just, like, open it up, and on the right-hand corner, there's, like, kind of a picture of people. And you can actually select that, and you can add friends. I'm actually asking you to add me as a friend. I want you to see what I'm doing all year long. And I'll hope to figure out ways to get my highlights and my notes and some of those things to be public to my friends so you can kind of read what's going on. Even though I'm going to read in this, I'm going to spend the time to put some things up in this as well. Okay, so, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to bring you into my world for the year. Because look, I just want us all to be growing together as followers of Jesus. So that when we face things like Joseph faced, that we will have the reservoir to draw from. God's character built into our lives. And so if I can help you do that, and, and Melissa, thank you for uh, friending me. Thank you. I, I, I told people to do that. Thank you for doing that. And hey, Jolie, good job. Notice this the young people. They're like, oh, yes, you're in my world. Thank you. And so cool. Thanks. And, and, and so that's the deal. And those things actually showed up on my iPad in my sermon notes. Thank you. And I try not to be distracted by stuff like that in the middle of, it happened to me last night and I saw it, but I, I wanted to react to it. To that. So thank you. That's what I want to do. So if you've never used a, just get, get it, pull it down. You can also do it on the computer. Like if you don't use a smartphone as apps and all that, just on a computer, Bible.com, go there, you can select plans, all that. One of the things that happened to me recently is I had friend, people, friends, friend me on version that I didn't know were followers of Jesus. And they may not be. But they invited me into their world. And I'm going to have conversations about the plans that they sent to me. Because I'm getting updates on what they're doing. I just think that God has put me in a place and he's opened up some opportunities for me to have input on some people's lives who, to my knowledge, may not be followers of Jesus. And I think he just put me. And they friended me. They friended the preacher. It's crazy, but they did, and they are, like, to my knowledge, not churchgoers. So, hey, this should be fun. I'm looking forward to what God does. And so I'm inviting you into my world as well, and you get to see it, all those things. So, look, here's the deal. When we talk about reading plans and just life in general, it's been observed that a wasted life is really nothing more than a collection of wasted days. God gives us life 
And every new year, we're all starting out the same. We have 365 days that we can choose to use and invest in eternal things. We're just kind of allowed to drift by without doing anything. The difference between growth and not growth is a little bit of diligence and effort. And that's all I'm challenging for on that. Look, Joseph saw some really great things. Joseph saw God lead him and bless him as a result of his faithfulness to God. Now you have to understand, oh, by the way, if you struggle to read, I'll just throw you in for you. If you struggle to read, if you just struggle reading, like reading's hard for you, and um, one of the great things about the Bible app is it'll read it to you. Okay, for those of you that are really like sort of rigid in that, listening to the Bible will count as reading, okay? Remember, oral stuff started first with the Bible, like they passed on this stuff to Moses in order for him to, okay, write it down. And Joseph didn't have the Bible when he was living life. Um, he didn't have any of it. So if you just can listen, listen. Ingest everything you can. Okay, we'll, we'll go on. If we let God, God will teach us everything we need to learn in order to live the life that God wants us to live. If we'll let God, He will teach us everything we need to learn in order to live the life that He wants us to live. Now, learning can happen in all kinds of different ways. I, I think there's tactically seven different ways of learning. Uh, something like, bore you for just a moment, but here it is. Visual, oral, verbal, physical, logical, social, and solitary. Those people learn. Some people like to learn in like seclusion, okay? They want to completely quiet. They want, you know, um, others want to hear things. Others want to, to, you know, be a part of a group project. They want to do it socially, whatever. But people learn different ways. Each one of us probably has a primary way we learn. One of the things I know is that God has ways he's going to teach us. There are options of how we learn, even when God's trying to teach us. We can ignore him for a while, and he'll get our attention. Or we can just willingly go along and learn. And look, it's sort of like this. How many of you, how many of you like, like swimming? I know it's winter times. So we're not thinking about that. But how many of you are thinking, I'd rather like have my wisdom teeth pulled than go swimming? Because um, I hate water and I'm scared of the water. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, look, look, look. There's a couple, there's about three ways you can learn how to swim, right? Some of you just throw you in. And you either learn to swim or you drown. Okay, now, if you're going to do that to somebody, make sure you can save them, okay? Because, you know, if you don't and they die, I mean, you're, you're, you're in trouble, okay? So you can throw them in, and, and, and they'll kind of fight and, you know, whatever, and they they'll, may get it. Now, I don't recommend that. I mean, there's ways that, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there are people who will teach babies to swim. They just <laughs> chuck them in under your rope. And remarkably... Little children, when they were, and I just saw it on video, so don't do it. Don't try it at home. But, but they, they did that, and they just throw them in, and they start swimming. I'm like, how did that happen? 
It's crazy. I wouldn't do that ever. I wouldn't throw you in either. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. But you can also, like, watch people. And, and, like, my brother was older than me. He still is, by the way. <laughs> but he got swimming lessons. See, I grew up and I had an in-ground pool in my yard. Growing up in New Jersey, we had a, we had a nice pool in the yard. And he got swimming lessons. I was too young for swimming lessons. I was probably five. They wouldn't teach me because I was only five. I, you know, couldn't learn it. I don't know. And so I, I didn't get swimming lessons. So I watched these swimming lessons. I had to stay out of the pool while the people used my pool for swimming lessons. Fuck that. But as soon as swimming lessons were over, I'm getting in the pool. Like when you look at an older sibling, in this case brother, who's swimming, you're going, uh-uh. You're not better than me. Whatever you can do, I can do better. <laughs> Right? You're with me. That's how we learn. We learn that by observing and just going, I'm going to be. And so, like, my deal was, this is what I do. My pool, growing up in New Jersey, pretty good length. I would guess from, from this part of the platform to the wall, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe a little longer. I don't know, full-size, in-ground swimming pool, not Olympic. But, but once I could swim underwater, the goal was, can I swim the length of that pool in one breath? And then it became two, and then it became three, and then it became four. I could swim four lengths of that pool in one breath because I just kept working at that over and over again. See, look, <laughs> whatever you can do, I can do better. And that's the way I felt. So I learned how to swim because of that. I just learned because I was going to do it. And I, like, you know, I just inched my way in the pool, and, you know, and then I started swimming, and and I just want to keep going. Other people learn like swimming and they learn strokes and they learn everything. And they, they, they take lessons on, you know, perfect exit of the water and entry in the water, hand down, cupped, perfect. I mean, it's a science. And they can swim farther and faster and all those things. Look, you can apply all that thought to what it means to grow in godliness. We've got multiple ways of learning. We, we can get after it and we can start to, to get in the Word and get in the Word more and more and grow in our character and nature and understanding of who God is. Or we can wait for Him to throw us in. Can you imagine Joseph? How he's learning to follow God without a Bible. I know he had dreams, which was pretty cool. But he learned to follow God. God must have been speaking to him somehow and all those things, and, and he just trusted God in the midst of it. But basically, he's thrown into circumstances. And he's got to learn to trust God in them. We, we've got his word. We've got to learn to trust God. We've got to learn to grow. How are we going to do it? How are we going to become who God wants us to be? Second Peter 1 says, why is divine power? God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human design.
God's wanting every one of us to grow and to live a godly life. We're going to go through circumstances. They're going to teach us. We're going to go through situations. They're going to teach us. But some situations and circumstances will break us if we don't spend the time in the presence of God to be able to walk through them. Joseph may have needed to be broken somewhat. He needed maybe some things in his character. The things that were flaws in him need to be broken. God needed to fix those. And There's things in all of us that need to be broken and fixed. And God needs to work on those things. But we don't want to be broken to the point that we no longer live for him. And we need to make sure that we're spending the time in the presence of God, in the Word of God, to make sure that in the things that we face, we have a reservoir filled with the things of God, the character of God, the nature of God, so that we're strong to walk through it. As the new year begins, use it as a fresh start. Look, if you've walked in here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, use today as a fresh start. Look, you, you, you've heard some messages, whether through the worship or through the word, there are fresh starts. There is forgiveness. If, if Joseph could forgive his brothers of their sins, and God can forgive us of our sins, look, we, we ought to follow him. And, and God made it all possible for us through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. But God will help you. I don't know what you've been through, but, but I'm just saying, it, it, God's presence in the midst of whatever storms you walk through and whatever pains you've experienced in the past, I'm telling you, God is greater than those things. He will bring something great out of your life, even when it was meant for destruction. It's an opportunity for us to love the Word of God like never before. And, and, and the whole premise of, of, of the Scriptures that we talked about today and applying the message of it is will we trust God when times are tough? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning. Lord, thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Lord, I'm praying today that every one of us would take moments in our lives and we would set up some things and disciplines that we could grow in you this year like never before. Or a hunger and our desire to be in your presence and in your word would be greater than it's ever been, that we will set this on course to 2017. It's going to be a year of growth for us spiritually. And that your character and nature will be more evident in our lives than ever before. And Lord, for those around us, we'll place them in your hands and your trust that you will help them grow and you will, you know, file off some rough edges and you'll make them into what you want them to be just as you're making us into what you want me to be. Lord, thank you that you are at work in all of our lives. And thank you for the example of Joseph for us to strive toward, to strive toward being like Jesus. and to be imitators of God. Help us in that, Lord. I pray this morning, whatever needs exist in this place, Lord, as we cast them towards you, you will 
meet them. And we'll answer prayer. God, if there's anybody in this room today that's not a follower, God, I'm asking that they would just make a decision today to follow you. That have walked in here and they struggle and, and they, they, they've kind of gone back and forth and they've struggled with certain things in their lives. God, I'm asking that they will just come to you one more time and say, Lord, forgive me. And God, help me to overcome this and help me to grow in my, my understanding of who you are and to more of your nature and character in my life that I would see those chains broken of past failures. Lord, for those who have struggled with past sin, thinking that you're going to just thump them someday, God, bring them peace and understanding and forgiveness that they've never had before. In Jesus' name, amen.